Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Well, we are in a sermon series called Union with Christ. And this morning, uh, my message is this. It is, in union with Christ, we have victory over sins and sin. How many of you know there's a difference between sins and sin? Anybody ever thought of that? Three people. All right. You guys are theologians. Well, I got some good news for the rest of you. There is a difference between acts of sin and acts of sin, which are sins, and the root of, of, of these acts of sin are sins, which is the unholy spirit that is in the sons and daughters of Adam called sin. Sin is the root of sins. Um, how many of you know if you want to stop an apple tree from bearing apples, you don't cut the apples off? You don't cut the limbs off? What do you do if you cut the limbs off an apple tree? And, and they'll grow back in spades, right? Because you're just pruning it. So much of the church has tried to deal with uh, acts of sin by uh, just reinforcing the rules, thou shalt not do this and that and the other thing. You know, do not smoke, do not chew, do not go out with girls who do. You know that? Yeah. That really doesn't work very well. Paul says the power of sin is the law, and that's, that's really true. You tell someone not to do something. You know, if you're walking across a college campus and you're a student and it says keep off the grass, you either want to walk on it or smoke it. You know, it's just, that's just how you are. I mean, that's just human nature is to be that way. But I want to get serious with you for a moment and ask you a question. Um, the old... The old timers, our, our forefathers, used to call sins that were dominant in our lives besetting sins. Besetting sins. In other words, uh, the sins that were kind of like the schoolyard bully that stood between us and, and wherever we were trying to get and wouldn't let us pass. The bully would always take our lunch money, mess up our clothes, sometimes our face, and, uh, and, you know, the nemesis that we just could never get past. How many of you have, you don't have to, I mean, I'm not talking about right now, but how many of you have dealt with besetting sins, the schoolyard bully in your life that wrecked your life and you, you just couldn't seem to get past that particular sin? We all have them, folks. We all have them. Um, we all have certain you can call it an addiction, an obsession. You can call it a besetting sin. You can call it uh, your uh, schoolyard bully sin. I don't care what you call it. Everyone has a sin or so, two, three, whatever. That's your sin. You know, I, I, I never struggled with the desire to drink. But my, the guy that I was named after, my Uncle Neil, was an alcoholic. And, and he could not, could not seem to overcome the power of alcohol. But I never struggled with that. Um, my sister uh, struggled with cocaine. She was a cocaine addict for 10 years. 
And uh, she is completely clean and free and walking in victory now. Yeah, but, uh, but she struggled with that. That, uh, that, was, that was her nemesis. That was her besetting sin. Um, so you see, even in my own family, and, and I've had my own struggles with things. I mean, I, yeah, I, I've too battled besetting sins, uh, and, uh, and, and one in particular. But, but you know, do you think that, that Jesus intends for Christians to live under the bondage of that kind of thing? No. No, I, I, you know, the thing is, um, we, we sing about, you know, the... the our, there was a scarlet stain that needed a crimson solution. You know, the blood of Jesus does cleanse us from all sins. But there's something else that needs to be taken care of. I mean, it's great to be forgiven of your sins. It's great to be forgiven. You know, the cross dealt with um, the guilt and penalty of sin. You know, the, the, guilt is a terrible thing. And I'm dealing with a young man right now that, that even though he's saved, he still can't get past his guilt feelings. Now they're just feelings because he's been completely forgiven. But, uh, but, but being free from guilt is a powerful thing. And, and being, um, um, you know, escaping the penalty of sin, which is death, is an awesome thing. Like, I am so thankful that Jesus died on the cross for me. Because my sins, past, present, and future, are dealt with. Sins I haven't even committed yet have already been paid for on the cross. His crimson blood has cleansed my scarlet sin forever. By one sacrifice, he has perfected forever those who are being made holy. Those who are being made holy. Okay, so... It's the being made holy part that I want to talk about this morning because I'm going to talk about both, victory over sins and sin, but i gotta, I got to define my terms here. So sins are acts of sin. It's breaking the law. There's, uh, there, there, the Greek words for sin are like if you aimed a, an arrow at a target and you hit your dog instead, you, you, you missed the, the, the target. Unless you're aiming for your dog, but you know if you if you're aiming at the target and you missed it, that's what that's one uh, one of the Greek terms for sin, just missing the mark. You know, I meant to do this and I ended up doing this over here, or I meant not uh, I, I meant to uh, not do this and I and I and I did it anyway. Another uh, another uh, word for sin is is um, the word transgression. To transgress is like trespass. They're basically the same thing. You cross the line where you shouldn't have gone. You know, you're supposed to stay within the bounds. You weren't supposed to walk on the grass, and you walked on the grass. That's transgressions. And uh, we are guilty of missing the mark and crossing the line. I mean, that's just how, you know, that, that's just the, the hand we were dealt through Adam, our, our first our first parent, and he and Eve, uh, you know, plunged us into this thing. So what has God done about that? Well, we know that the cross, on the cross, Jesus paid our debt. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. He paid a debt he didn't owe. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like he paid the penalty for our sin. 
the innocent for the guilty. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing that happened on the cross. But it's what happened. So that dealt with our sins. We're forgiven for our sins. And that's a wonderful thing, not to be guilty and, and know that you're not going to hell because you're, you're not guilty anymore. Uh, uh, Witness Lee puts it this way. Uh, Jesus dealt on the cross with our position with God. But after, I mean, it, <laughs> he died for us for our position with God. But we died with him. We were united with him in his death to deal with our disposition. Something has to be done about the sin that is the root of the sins. And so what, what needs to be dealt with is the power and the slavery of sin. And we carry that into our Christian lives. Would that when we came to Christ and we accepted the Holy Spirit into our lives, that that was the end of sin and sins. But unfortunately, that's not the case. And I want to talk about that this morning. I'm not going to ask you if you're still dealing with besetting sins. I mean, I could ask you to raise your hand, and I, I wouldn't if I were you, you know. Uh, so we're just going to assume that either you have learned what I'm about to teach you and you're, you're done with this stuff, or you need what I'm about to teach you so you can be done with this stuff, because we don't have to be dragged around by the neck by sin any longer. And we're going to read that in just a moment. In fact, let's go ahead and read that. Um, we're going we're gonna to look at Romans 6. I'm going to read it from the, the NIV, and then uh, I'm going to read later the same stuff, but I want to read it from the, the uh, Passion Translation. So let's look at uh, Romans chapter 6. And Paul has just been talking about how by one trespass, Adam, when he ate the apple, and, or not apple, but the forbidden fruit. It wasn't an apple. I'm quite certain of that. But when he ate the forbidden fruit in the garden, from the tree of, of, a good, of knowledge of good and evil, he died, his spirit died, and he plunged the human race into sin and death. But Jesus, by one act of, of obedience, going to the cross for us, has plunged those who believe in him into righteousness. We're, we're in right standing before God because of Jesus' death on the cross. We're in, in the... It's, it's like this. Someone told a story. There was a judge who, um, who had a childhood friend who had gotten in trouble. I mean, they were really good friends growing up. And the judge went one way and his friend went the other. And one day, the friend um, ended up in the courtroom before the judge that he'd grown up with. And he had stolen a significant amount of money. And so... Uh, the judge heard the prosecutor's testimony. He asked his friend to stand up. He asked him if he had anything to say. And he said, no contest, Your Honor. He said, okay, therefore I sentence you to, to pay $20,000. And, uh, and then he took his robe off. He walked out from behind the bar he walked down to where his friend was. He pulled out his checkbook. 
He wrote a check for $20,000 and handed it to his friend and said, now go pay your debt. That's what's happened here. (laughs) He didn't have to do that. But because of his love for his friend, that's what he did. That's what Jesus has done for us. He's like, you know, the, the wages of sin is death, so Jesus paid the debt. He died. Praise God. So, Paul at the end of Romans 5 says, Okay, so your debt's paid. And anytime you sin, it's covered by the grace of God. When you sin, grace covers it. You sin, grace covers it. So he asked the obvious question at the beginning of Romans 6. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. That's as strong as you can say that in Greek. It's like heck no, you know. In the Greek, we are, we are those who have died to sin. Now, notice that the language here, in, in the early part of Romans, he's talking about acts of sin. He, he's talking about sins. And he gives a whole list of them in the second half of Romans 1. I mean, you know, disobedience, rebellion, sexual sin, immorality, all that. He just, he just catalogs these sins for us. And that was dealt with by the death of Jesus, by one act of obedience. He canceled all of that. But now he's talking about sin. He's talking about this unholy spirit. But shall we go on committing acts of sin that grace may increase? He says, by no means, we are those who have died to sin. Sin, the power of sins. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus, in other words, you were put into Jesus, and the water thing represents that. It isn't the, the thing. It represents the thing. It's like this ring right here doesn't cause me to be married. It means that I, it, it signifies that I am married. This ring tells every other woman in the world that I'm off limits. I know that's hard for people, you know. Just kidding. But we've been baptized into Christ. We've been put into him. We're in him. And that's what this whole series is about. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, We too were raised from the dead by the glory of the Father in Christ. It doesn't say that, but we too may live a new life now. Not in heaven. I mean, yeah, heaven's going to be wonderful. But I need a new life now, and so do you. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like him. Now listen to this, verse 6 For we know that our old self, our old Adam, our old connection with Adam's deadly race was crucified with Christ so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. Wow. That's awesome, man. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. 
Now, if we died with Christ, and we have, we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has any mastery over him. The death he died, he died once to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, in the exact same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. Count yourselves dead. That word count is the word reckon. Do you remember when, when uh, uh, it's, it's in Romans 4, but it's also in, I believe it's in Genesis 15, it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, Abraham's faith made him righteous before God even though he was a sinful man. He was made righteous because of his faith. He was reckoned to be. He was counted to be righteous. That's the same word that's being used here. It's the same concept. So we are, based on what Christ has done for us and with us and to us, because he took us with him to the cross. When he was nailed to the cross, so were you. When he was buried, so were you. When he was raised to new life, so were you. The, the only difference between us and Jesus in that is that he actually got his new body right then because he's the first fruits. He's, the, he's gone ahead of us. He's our pioneer who's gone ahead of us, who's plowed the way into the actual resurrection. And he's, he's the, the evidence that we're going to get a new body because it says in, in John 3 that when we, are, when we stand before him, when we're finally with him, we will be just like him, new body and all. But right now, in our spirits, we are resurrected to live a new life in the spirit. We can live a new life outside the slavery of sin, outside the power of sin, because we are in Christ Jesus. In the same way, reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. And do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of sin or instruments of wickedness. And by the way, that word is actually weapons of wickedness. There's a war. And the word instruments is more, is more uh, correctly translated weapons. But rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer, offer every part of yourself to him as weapons of righteousness. Hallelujah. <laughs> For sin shall not be your master because you are, you are not under law but under grace. Now, there's a whole other sermon that I could preach about not being under the law because Jesus not only saved us from sin but he saved us from the law because he paid, he paid the penalty for breaking the law and when he was resurrected, he died because of the law. You remember when, when Jesus is talking on the Sermon on the Mount and he said, uh, I didn't come to do away with the law or destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. Well, he fulfilled it on the cross because the law says that if you sin, you die. You sin, you die. And so... 
When Jesus was raised from the dead, he was raised beyond the reach of the law. And he took us with him. And so the law can't touch this. You know, like the, the old song, can't touch this? I won't break into it, but um, I'm not very good at rapping. But, but uh, it says that, that we, we were like a, a person, a woman who was married to somebody and she was bound to that person as long as he was alive. But when he died, she was released from him. And she was free to marry another. And, and in Romans 7, it says that we were the ones that died with Christ to the law. And we're not married to the law anymore. Old Mr. Law has no claim on us any longer. We're married to Jesus so that we can live a new life in the Spirit. So... The power of sin is the law. We died to sin. We died to the law. And now the jurisdiction of sin and the law no longer has any, any jurisdiction over us. But, so why do we still sin? Why do we still commit sins? You know, the first time I ever read the scripture I just read to you, when it says that uh, we are those who have died to sin, how can we live it any longer? I honestly had just four months earlier, been called into ministry. I knew God had called me into the ministry. And now all of a sudden I'm reading for the very first time, uh, we are those who have died to sin, and I had just sinned. That's why I was reading the Word, because I had just sinned. And uh, I was 21 years old. I was house-sitting for my parents, it was a very lonely su summer. I was working with, the, with a bunch of uh, weed-smoking, uh, womanizing knuckleheads that were trying to get me to do everything they did. Now, I didn't, but I was really struggling just being uh, a single guy, living by myself, and, and, uh, and I just, you know, it was a lonely summer, and it was, a, it was a summer that the enemy just bombarded me because, man, when you, when you get called to ministry, you get a target on your, your back. And so I was struggling. I was, I was really struggling. So I was, I'm, I'm reading the Word, and, and I'm, I'm, I've read through Romans before, but I'm really, like, looking for answers. And the first thing I read is that supposedly I died to sin. I'm like, I must not be saved. I got called to ministry, but I'm not saved. You know, I was like, I don't know what to do with that. Well, thank God I figured it out, or the Holy Spirit helped me figure it out. But I just want to say to you this morning, here's the question. Is there victory over besetting sins in this life? And the answer to that question is yes. Paul says yes. Paul says victory now, not pie in the sky by and by. He says now. You know, there's a lot of Christians, there are a lot of Christians that don't believe this for a second. And here's why. Could you go ahead and put up Romans 7, uh, verses 14 through 20? Now, they read these words, but guys, I want you to understand something before we read them. They're reading them out of context. And they don't understand the context. And context is everything. You understand that? When you read Scripture, you've got to understand the context. And so many people have bought terrible theology because they didn't get the context. And so the, the Apostle Paul is saying this right here. 
For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh sold under sin. Now, in Romans 6, he's just said we're no longer slaves to sin. We died to sin. Now, in Romans 7, he's saying the very opposite. He's saying, I know that the law is spiritual, but I am in the flesh sold under sin. Go to the next verse. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. Next. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me, within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. I love the fact that the ESV doesn't translate this sinful nature. Because there's a difference in sinful nature and flesh. Flesh is this fallen body we live in. How many of you know that your body wants to do a lot of stupid things that aren't of the Lord? Yeah, our brains are, we've got grooves in there that we don't need. <laughs> you know, my, my watch is buzzing me, so I'm going to take it off here. I don't want to talk to whoever that is talking to you. Um, so I'm, I'm so glad that you, so sinful nature is a mistranslation. The word flesh is sarks. It means flesh. It means this fallen body. You know, my fallen body, I tell you what, this body wants to eat every cookie I ever see. Do you know how big I would be if I did that? I would have diabetes. I would be, you know, I'd probably be dead. But anyway, uh, I've never seen a Krispy Kreme I didn't like. I could sit down and eat a gallon of Bluebell ice cream. We don't have Bluebell up here, but they have it down south. I think I did eat a, a gallon this week while I was down there. But, I mean, that's just our, our flesh craves things that's not, that's not good for us. And, you know, we, 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 we have a tendency to lean into that stuff. For we have the desire to do what is right, for I have the desire to do what is right, but the ability, I, I do not have the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. Now, Paul has just said, right here, doesn't that sound like slavery? Doesn't that sound like you're a slave? You're doing the things you don't want to do, and you're not doing the things you want to do. But Paul has just said, you know, one chapter earlier, that we're no longer slaves to sin. Sin shall no longer be my master. I'm not under the law, but under grace. So there's one of three things going on here. Either Paul is a liar, and he can't remember what the truth is, and so he tells us one thing in one chapter and another thing in the other chapter, the next. He's schizophrenic, little kind of off his rocker, or we're missing the context. And I'll give you the context. Here's the secret. Paul is trying. He's just said we died to sin. We died to the power and slavery to sin because we're no longer under the law, which is the 1 Corinthians, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 15, 56 says, the power of sin is the law. The law and power of sin. So what Paul is saying in Romans 7 here, he's just said that we died to the law as well. We died to old man law. We're not married to the law anymore. But then what he does is he goes back and says, but here's what it looks like when I used to be under the law. The law said don't covet, and I coveted. The law said don't do this, and I did it. Before the law came along, I didn't really pay any attention to it. But suddenly there's a law, 
and it says don't do this, and I find myself wanting to do it. In fact, I find myself not being able not to do those things. Flesh and law do not produce righteousness. You cannot be righteous by your willpower. You cannot stop sinning because you set your mind to stop sinning. I've talked to so many, including Dennis, so many people that have tried to quit smoking by making vows and throwing the cigarettes, you know, out the way. He, he said he was in a meeting and he smoked cigarettes like, like a chimney, you know. And, he, and uh, he said, you know, that the people gather around him and, you know, Dennis, it's time to give those cigarettes up. And so he threw them out the window and they, they prayed for him and he made, you know, vows that he'd never smoke again. And uh, on his way out, he went down, found his cigarettes, and put them in his pocket, started smoking one, walking down the street. Because we can't do it that way. That's not going to work. The law does not conquer sin. Our, our flesh and our law, it, it just doesn't work. So what is the solution? Well, uh, let me just go back to um, verse 11 of chapter 6 for a moment and tell you the solution because it's right there. In the same way that Jesus died to sin once for all, you died with him, you died to sin with him, you were buried with him, you were raised to live a new life in the spirit, and now you have him living in you. When he sent his spirit, he came to not only uh, give you life, but to also give you victory. Now, I guarantee you, that um, some of you are going to be pretty frustrated when you leave here today and find that not a lot has changed just because of what I've said. That's because we have to walk this out, and it's, it's faith. And um, faith is very much like muscles. You have to develop it over time. You have to exercise it and keep exercising it. And as you grow in the Lord, as you grow in your union with him, as you come to know him as your life, as you come to know him more and more, you will have bigger and better faith, and you're going to find that the things that used to wreck you don't wreck you anymore, that you do, you do trust in his grace and in his life and in his power to overcome sin, where on your own, you're going to blow it every time. And guys, I, I, I sympathize with anyone that's still struggling with besetting sin. I, I sympathize with you. Because it is, it is a, it's hard to know that there is victory, but you ain't there yet. That's hard. And the Holy Spirit understands that. And Jesus understands that. That's why, you know, Romans 8 starts out with, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because the enemy wants every, first of all, he wants you to slip up. So he'll throw stuff in your way to cause you to stumble. And then when you fall, he'll stand over you and accuse you for stumbling. That's condemnation. And we're not supposed to take that anymore. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because... Your sin has been dealt with on the cross. We just got to learn to walk. How many know that a baby didn't, didn't start out just walking, just like, you know, 
Two steps fall. Two steps fall. One step fall. Get up fall. Uh, I, I, we have a video of Wes the day he decided he was going to walk. He was, I started to say 15 years old, he was 15 months old <laughs> when, he, uh, when he started walking. And up to then, he didn't really, he wasn't even interested in walking. And then all of a sudden, one day, he decided he was going to walk. And Wes is, now this is my son, when he puts his mind to something, he's going to do it. Sixth grade, he put his mind to the, he was going to learn how to play the guitar. Six months later, he's playing the guitar. That's just how he, that's how he works. But he decided one day he was going to walk. And he got up, and he would take two steps, and he would fall. And he'd get up, take two steps, and he would fall. And I don't know how he didn't have bruises all over his body, because he would fall hard. But by the end of the day, he was walking. I wish it was that easy with learning how to walk in victory over sin. But it takes some years, actually. But if you persist in faith and you keep trusting in Jesus and you keep believing, I am one with Christ, his death was my death, his burial was my burial, his resurrection was my resurrection, his life is my life, his spirit is my spirit, his victory is my victory, then ultimately you will become more than a conqueror (laughs) through Christ who loves you. Paul let me tell you, let me tell you this, this much about Paul. When Paul became, when Saul became Paul, when Paul, you know, met Jesus on the road to Damascus and, and uh, his men took him to Straight Street and Ananias came and, and prayed and, and he was filled with the Spirit and, and the scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. He, uh, he went out and preached a little bit, but then he disappeared for about three years. He went to Arabia, they say. Arabia, you know, it's pretty much a desert. So he spent three years in in the desert in seminary with Jesus. And he tells us in Galatians that he learned the gospel from no man. That it was given to him directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he had a special assignment. Well, he actually had had several special assignments. One of those assignments was to to, to be the apostle to us, the Gentiles this old, crusty Pharisee. But he was going to have to receive the revelation of what happened after the cross because the disciples, the uh, super apostles, as he calls them, they knew all about the cross and Jesus dying on the cross and our sins being forgiven. But the revelation of of the gospel that I'm talking about in Romans 6 and 7 and 8 came directly from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He got the, the rest of the gospel of that we died with Christ. We were buried with him, we were raised with him, and we were given his spirit to live a new life in victory over sin. That was revelation given directly to Paul from Jesus. That's why his epistles, you know, like Romans and Galatians and Ephesians are so powerful because this man received direct revelation from Jesus himself. So, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to read from, and I'm just about done, believe it or not. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation 
the verses I read in Romans 6. This is really, I mean, this is, the Passion Translation is, is kind of a, it's a one-man translation, and, you know, you got to be careful with one-man one translations, like the NIV, NIV and the ESV and the, you know, New American Standard and all the, you know, all these translations are translated by a committee, like a group of scholars that get together and wrestle through what these words mean. And um, uh, the Passion Translation is basically written by Brian Simmons, and he did a really good job, I think. But Dennis would, he's told me probably a half dozen times, Neil, when you read the, the Passion Translation, you read it as a commentary, not the word. And I understand that, but Romans 6 in the Passion Translation is the best version of Romans 6 I've ever read. I have to be honest with you. So don't tell Dennis I said that. He's probably going to listen to this sermon, but hopefully by then he'll, you know, be a long way away and he'll get over it by the time he gets home. So what do we do then with this when when sin abounds, grace abounds all the more? And when we sin, there's grace. When we sin, there's grace. Well, I mean, that's true. I mean, thank God that God's grace is inexhaustible. So what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? What a terrible thought. I like that. <laughs> what a terrible thought. We have died to sin once for all as a dead man passes away from this life. Oh, that's, that's, I like that. that. That gives me a picture. I died to sin the way a dead man passes away from this life. So how could we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, there it is, I like that, immersed into union with Jesus. It's not about water here, folks. It's about being immersed into Jesus. We've been placed in him like that, like my hand is placed in this book. We've been placed into Jesus. We've been immersed into Jesus, into union with him, the anointed one. We're immersed into union with his death. Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we have been co-buried and entombed with him so that the Father's glory, that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the fullness of new life. And that's so powerful. We've been co-crucified co-buried and co-resurrected with him to walk in the freshness of new life in the spirit. For since we are permanently grafted into him, into union with him, to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like him and the new life that that imparts. That is so good. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Hallelujah. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. And if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we, that we will also share in the fullness of his life. And we know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life has vanquished death and its power over him is finished. For by his sacrifice he died to sin's power 
once for all, but he now lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. So let it be the same way with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for the pleasure, for God's pleasure, in union with Jesus, the anointed one. Guys, the bottom line is that victory over sin comes from union with Christ. And did you know you didn't vote on this? Did you know that you didn't have any say in this? This was done to you. This was done to you. And the only way, um, I, I love this. I'm going to have to share this quote. I believe it was, it was Martin Luther or Charles Spurgeon. Maybe it was Charles Spurgeon who said that. Yeah, Charles Spurgeon said this. The only thing that you contributed to your salvation was the sin that made it necessary. Think about that for a second. That's all you contributed was the need for it <laughs> because you sinned. And so you didn't vote on this. You didn't, you didn't have any say in this. The Father and the Son put this together in, in eternity before you were even, before the foundations of the universe were even laid. This whole idea of your redemption and your victory over Christ and, and being included in his death, burial, and resurrection for your forgiveness and for your, to break the power of sin in your life this was all done to you by a decision between the Father and the Son. See, the old covenant was between God and Israel. The new covenant is between the Father and the Son. And we're wrapped up in the Son. So we get to enjoy all the benefits of the new covenant in the Son, who is in covenant with his Father. And he, is, he has brought us back to the Father in himself. And you now not only are cleansed from the guilt and uh, a penalty of sin, but you have been given victory over the power and slavery of sin through your death, burial, and resurrection with Christ and in Christ Jesus. And in him, in him is the power to have victory. I wish I could elaborate on that for another two hours but I'm going to have to stop so let's pray Father um, I have given my best to explain this this morning through your word and through your spirit and I trust Holy Spirit that you're communicating that to the hearts of the hearers this morning including my own because I'm listening to We're cleansed and forgiven, but we have victory in Christ. And so therefore, we reckon and count, credit ourselves dead to sin, but alive unto you, God, in Christ Jesus, because we are in union with him. And we celebrate that this morning. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us, to us and with us, and that you are now in us and we are in you. And God, continue to teach us what union with you means and help us go on from glory to glory, from victory to victory, from faith to faith. And as we do that, Lord, 
Transform us and conform us to your image. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.